Thank you for downloading this episode of Folk on Foot. Before we start, I just wanted to share a brief message. If you like what we do, we really need your support to keep going. You can join our wonderful band of members and you'll get great rewards. These include access to our amazing Folk on Foot on Film archive of hundreds of songs shot on location on our travels around the UK and Ireland. To sign up, just go to folkonfoot.com slash support us. You'll also get an ad-free version of all our episodes and an email postcard from me each time we go on a walk. If you just want the ad-free version, it'll cost you £3 a month and you can get it through your Apple Podcast app or at folkonfoot.com slash support us. Finally, if you don't want to make a regular commitment but do want to show how much you love us, you can simply buy us a coffee. You can also do that at folkonfoot.com slash support us. Every penny we get goes back into making more episodes of Folk on Foot. So thank you and enjoy the walk. It's eight o'clock on a February morning. And as we drove here from St Andrews, 20 minutes away, the light was coming up and you can hear the end of the dawn chorus going on here. And we're in Tentsmuir Forest, which is this big expanse of forest um, right next to the sea on the coast of Fife. And we're here to meet two extraordinary musicians who've teamed up to make one of my favourite albums of this year. James Yorkston is a man of Fife. Uh, he lives here. And Nina Persson is the lead singer of the Cardigans, and she's from Sweden. But the two of them teamed up with the Second Hand Orchestra to create the album The Great White Sea Eagle, which has haunting personal songs. And we're hoping that James and Nina will share some of those songs with us as we walk through this glorious forest. James and Nina, good morning. Thank you very much for coming out so so early because you were playing a gig last night, weren't you? Yeah, we were playing in the Bayer Theatre in St Andrews. It was wonderful, I must say. We, we really enjoyed it. And we're going to talk more about that later because it was one of your To Sup With A Pfeiffer concerts. But where have you brought us, James? What, what, what is this place? This is Tensmere Forest, which is um, just above the East Nook of Fife, between East Nook and Dundee. And it's a large sandy forest with uh, trees that come down very easily in the wind. And it's where I come and uh, cycle with my children for many hours to, to lose myself from the screen, the computer screen, you know? Yeah. It's a good place to uh, remind yourself how old you're getting and, 
and uh, how much faster my son is on the bike than I am. <laughs> <laughs> and Nina, I, I always associate Sweden with forests. Are forests kind of important in your life as well? Well, you, sort of. I'm, I haven't grown up being that much of a nature person, but I recently got a place in the country. So we've started to d- discover the forests around the house a little bit. So recently it's become more so. Yeah, because we're all in our anoraks here and you're in your fur coat, which I think, you know, is really glamorous you way to explore. You don't think I look like an outdoorsy person? <laughs> <laughs> you just look very glamorous in your fur coat this morning. And, and James, is, is nature an inspiration for you? Is, is experiencing nature an inspiration for you? It seems to be. You know, it's a funny thing. I don't really think about what I write or anything. I certainly don't try and put trees in and things, but um, there's always questions about does where you live inspire what you write? And uh, I used to say no. I used to think it was just, how could it? But how could it not, I think, is, uh, is perhaps more accurate. Because I get a picture of you sitting in your home, which is by the sea, I think. Yeah, right by the sea, yeah. And do you sit in your studio and look out at the sea? And uh, Not at this current studio. In this current studio, I, I sit and I, I look at a bird feeder, which is, uh, <laughs> which is interesting, but it's not quite the sea, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, I just try and write. I write when I'm on the road a lot. I write when I'm uh, just alive, living, you know. It's about catching catching the moment really and uh, a, a germ of an idea and you get it down and you mark it down and then uh, see where see what happens to it and the, the thing I always say is it's important not to stop that writing but it's also important to trust yourself to edit it you know so there's all sorts of nonsense in my notebooks but uh, it's, they, some of them are gems and some of them are to be discarded and thrown in the fire you know <laughs> and you've brought your guitar with you yeah um, which is really nice of you because a lot of the album was written on the piano wasn't it yeah it was almost entirely run on the piano yeah but uh, i didn't really want to take that i mean it's good to see you and stuff but i didn't really want to carry a piano with me <laughs> <laughs> we have moved a harp before now but a real full-size harp yeah, yeah, yeah. but not a piano um, but I wondered if you might agree to sing a song for us. Of course, yeah, yeah. Would you yeah. do that? Yeah, of course. What would, you, what would you like to sing first? Oh, well. Is there one which How would are your I... fingers? What, what oh, are you my there? fingers will be fine. It's the, it's the voices. Shall we, shall, we, shall we try the harmony? Is that too hard? The, the harmony might be good. We sang it last night, last thing we sang last night on stage, so... Oh, that so. would be fantastic. Well, let's just stop here in this little grove, shall we? Maybe we can just step off the path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and we'd have the pine trees behind us if you would, would sing it here. That would be marvellous. Yeah, yeah well, that's a nice looking seat as well. You and I, we own the truth Our whole life Reality We settle, we promise everything Here on the outskirts Life suits me And all my love I hope you know I've kept that love I've kept it Escaped me, and the world became too fast. And if I were a gambling man, I would not. 
trusted by half For the world became too fast And I'll do my best to understand And the past they became so light Works of love and promises Distance became Best intentions, they drift away And oh my love, I hope you know I've kept that love, I've kept it close But harmony, it has escaped me And the words came out too fast And if I were a gambling man I would not trust them by half For the words came out too fast And I'll do my best to understand happened to me at 8.30 in the morning for many, many years, <laughs> can I say? That was absolutely beautiful. And to hear you sing it here in the open air with the birds in the background and under the tree is, is very special to me. I don't know if it feels different to you than doing it on, on stage last night. Does it I'm feel half asleep. Are you half asleep? <laughs> no, I thought... Yeah, yes. And it was wonderful. It's, it's also that to, do, to sing this song without amplifying. I mean, at least we're not hearing ourselves in monitors and stuff. It really is... Yeah. Uh, Kind of better in a way. It's, it's a different feeling. Isn't the it? best shows are the ones where you can just walk on stage and plug in, and it just sounds completely natural. And you don't have to ask for more of this or more of that, and it just sounds perfect. And it's just like you're in a living room. And this is kind of like that. Mm. Yeah, but with, with the added benefit of the of, of nature. Yeah, yeah. yeah. James, you've got a really small guitar, which is very sensible of you, since we're walking 
along through the forest. But is it a special instrument? Yeah, it's quite special. I got it in uh, Granada in Spain um, around 2006. I was recording a new album and uh, I was looking for a different instrument, you know, just something to bring something different to the project. And I uh, saw this in a guitar shop window and I went in and said, oh, that looks nice, can I have a go? And he said, yeah, 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 sure. And I was playing it and I just fell in love with it immediately and I was playing it over and over and over and my, uh, my wife, she was totally into it as well and I, I said, do you want to have a go? Because she plays classical guitar, so she played it and I was just thinking, oh my God, this is amazing. So we were there for maybe 40 minutes and I said to the guy, how much is it? And he said, oh, it's, it's 2,000 euro. And I said, okay, yeah, I'd like to buy it, please. This is 15 years ago. He went away and he came back and he was ashen-faced and he said, actually, I've got it wrong. It's four and a half thousand euro plus tax. Oh, wow. I said, oh my God, oh my God. But he said, since you've been playing it and you're obviously a player, the maker has said you're allowed it for 2,500 euro plus tax. And I didn't have that money at the time, you know, and we couldn't get out of the bank machines and it was before cards could be used and all that. So it just had to go away and uh, forget about it. And three or four months later, I just kept on thinking about this. haunting you? Yeah, this guitar, you know. So I rang up in my very, very broken Spanish. I said, oh, hi, do you remember me? I was in playing that Jesus Bejido guitar. And they said, yeah, yeah. And I said, can I still have it for two and a half? And they said, yeah, yeah, totally. So I did the bank transfer. And it arrived in the post and it weighs practically nothing. And I thought, the Bampot stuff sent me a... An empty, sent me an empty case. box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, and it's it's here and it's arrived. No, absolutely. And it sounds beautiful. Yeah, it's a gorgeous yeah. instrument. And, Very um, gentle. Yeah, it yeah. is. Well, Nanira, I want to understand how you first began this singing relationship with James, because I think it was a mutual friend who put you together, wasn't it? Yeah. Can you tell us how that happened? Yeah, it's a friend um, of ours. I've known him just because through music, various, he's a Swede. Uh, for about 20 years, and so has James. And this guy is somebody who really, like what he does, he plays music, he has a record label, he's a great matchmaker, uh, obviously. He uh, curates radio shows, and he, has, he just has a really good sensibility for coming up with new projects and matching people again. And we should name him. His he's... name is Carl Jonas Winkvist, and he's also the person who pretty much put together the second-hand orchestra and, and put James in. Who are on the album. Together. Who are on the, who are on the two albums, yeah. Yeah, of course, they were on the Wide Wide River with, with you, James, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had a, like a relationship, me and Colunas, where he sent me different suggestions. for. I think we've been trying to do something for a long time, actually. And then this one came up. He's like, now I have this guy, James, who's uh, going to make a new record and told me about the project. And um, I was sent a few songs and Colunas described the project to me and I thought it sounded musically, sounded fantastic. And also as a project, it was nice that it was a request where I wasn't just asked just to top line something or just to come in and out and or email files even of vocals. I was uh, kind of after something with more meat on the bones, sort of. So And it's the people I already knew about, I really like. So. It was very attractive to me. And then we spoke a little bit, James and I emailed and spoke and agreed on trying it, yeah. Right, and so when you say trying it, so, you know, I've talked a lot to people recently who were emailing files about and putting albums together in lockdown, particularly, you know, by remote control. How did this process work? Did you get together quite early on? You know, did you meet in person? Well, we actually only met in person when James was already travelling to Sweden and we were on our way to record the album. Right, <laughs> yeah, we had Zoomed and stuff. 
Yeah, James came to Malmö and we had an afternoon together where we sat down and um, played and sang. Um, and obviously, I mean, I don't know what we would have done if it had sounded like shit, but we already knew that it was... Yeah, you know, very there, was a fear, there was a fear, you know. And did you know Nina's work with the cardigans and... Yeah, I mean, my, my, my music is, the music I'm interested in tends to be the kind of more traditional music from all over. But of course, I knew the big hits, but then back in the day, when I first moved to Edinburgh from the East Nook, I got in with a whole bunch of music guys and we were pre-internet. You know, you'd buy an album and if it was good, you'd pass it around your friends, you know. One of the early Cardigans albums, an album called Life was one of those albums that we used to um, put on tapes and share around and all that sort of thing. So I knew that album very well indeed. You right. know, and in fact, quite maybe a month or so ago, uh, Nina sang a snippet of it in the car or something, like just one line. I was like, oh my God. And it was like, <laughs> oh, right, yeah. It's, uh, so I obviously I knew who Nina was. And, uh, and when KJ suggested working with her, I, uh, I went on uh, YouTube and had a listen to what she was up to nowadays in case, in case she turned in into a really weird yeah, direction. Yeah, like, I don't know, like, like, I'm not really into histrionic vocals. I'm, I'm not saying, you, I had to be careful, you know what yes, I mean? Yeah. Um, but I absolutely loved what I was hearing on YouTube. So it was just like, oh, this, this, this could be great. You know, this could be really good. So I was very happy, you know, <laughs> it, and, it, and, it, and it works. You know, I love it. I especially love um, doing it live now. It's a, uh, it's, uh, Blending the, vo the vocals together is uh, such a... Such a it works thing, beautifully. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, absolutely yeah. works beautifully. We're walking through a great pile of mud. Yeah. <laughs> You're, walking You're going around the edge. I'm going right yeah. the We middle. have some <laughs> illustration of what's going it's on. It's an occupational hazard, you know. This is, <laughs> this is what happens to me. I'm right in the middle of a puddle. <laughs> Wow. I love this kind of, um, this kind of pines, beach pines. What are you going to sing for us, James? We're gonna sing one um, called Choices Like Wide Rivers. And, and this is from the first, this the is Wide Wide River, one. Yeah, first yeah. second-hand orchestra album. Yeah, but it, we've, uh, we've, we've changed it, um, we've changed it around um, to, suit, to suit us, as it, as it were, you know. Let's hear it. Choices like wide rivers Choices like wide rivers I am asleep in the front and I'm playing you the new songs. Love hurts, love hurts, love hurts, go the new songs. Choices like wide rivers, for your love. Choices like wide rivers, Love, love, love. And when we came to the wide, wide river, I fell on my yellow belly and I swam. And when I reached the other side, 
to my chicken feet and I ran Choices like wide rivers Choices like wide rivers Summer for your love, 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 love And it all turns out we have something to swear on Something we would not have had and it all turns out we have somewhere to pour our love, 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 choices like wide rivers, choices like wide rivers. Sleep in the front and I'm playing you the new song. Love hurts, love hurts, love hurts, go the new song. Choices like wide rivers. Choices like wide rivers. I wish the birds could sing more too. I know. It was definitely them, wasn't it? It wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> they were all singing with me. <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you very much indeed. Absolutely. I mean, just sitting on a log here under a tree, there's nothing better, is there? There's nothing better. <laughs> it has been you. something to keep our asses dry. <laughs> <It's been slightly laughs> You're a bit damp now you've been sitting on that log. Oh, it's sacrificing for art. <laughs> So I'm keen to learn a little bit about both of your stories. And James, I, I wonder if you... Did you grow up round here? Are you, are you a Fifer by birth? Fifer by birth? Well, my family's from all over the place. Do you know those DNA things you can you get done? Yeah. We had those done recently and I actually came out as um, mostly Scandinavian. Both my father's and my mother's families, if you go back a couple of generations, came down from Aberdeenshire. So, But there's also other things mixed in. My mother was born in Cairo. My father's mother was uh, from Southwest Wales. She was a Welsh speaker most of her life. So it's been a, it's been a fair journey to, to hear. Yeah. But I mean, we've been in Eastnick for ages. My grandmother was in uh, St Andrews. I was brought up in King's Barns, now I live in Celadike. So I've been, been here for ages and ages. You know? and, and tell us about the Kingdom of Fife and why that's a special place. Look, I think everywhere's special. You know, when I was young, I used to... Um, spent a lot of my childhood in um, West Cork in the island and I used to love the green and the beaches and the general lack of population and the peace and the quiet and the stars and things and it was only one year after I'd been visiting most of my life that I realised it was almost identical to the East Nick of Fife. <laughs> it was just it was a long, a long, long drive to get there, you know. And what took you there? And in the mid-1960s, my father won half a house in a poker match. So we ended up going there to try and do it up. And uh, so most of our summers were spent there. It didn't have like, it didn't have running water or electricity or anything like that. And uh, so we went there every year until pretty much I signed a record deal when I was 29. So were you exposed to a lot of Irish music at that time? Oh yeah, you know, it was Irish music that got me into traditional music, without a doubt. What um, sort of things were you listening to? 
Um, well, it was the music that you'd hear in the bars, really. That's the thing that first uh, um, opened my ears to it. But then it was um, pipers like Willie Clancy and Seamus Ennis and singers like um, Elizabeth Cronin, who's still a huge influence on me, and then bands like Planksty. When I was about 15 or 16, I started kind of rediscovering that music and listening back to it and trying to get this music of my childhood, you know. I knew people like Sheena Wellington, obviously, Scottish traditional singers. But I'd always veered clear of the English stuff because for some reason I thought it was very courtly and, and uh, staid. But then I heard um, Anne Briggs. And this is like when I was 20 or something. And that just opened up English traditional music for me completely. And the stories and her singing. And I know she's very influenced by the Shannon singing of Ireland. So maybe that's why I got into it. And then that just opened everything. And from then on, I just... Now I listen to traditional music from all over. I love going back to the root. So people like Rakita Zafi um, from Madagascar and Dagari, obviously. Uh, again, another Malagasy guitar player. And then onto people like Umu Sangare and Oksu Babab and Ali Fakatare, all these people, you know. So that was the music that really inspired me. But I mean, so it's, it's all kinds of traditional music, oh, not yeah, just yeah, the yeah. traditional music of, of your home. Oh, yeah, place. absolutely. I mean, I love. Dick Gocken, obviously, you know, and I, I love people like uh, um, John Strachan, and uh, you know, there's there's all sorts of uh, all sorts of yeah, music from anywhere, really, you know, good music from anywhere. <laughs> and do you find that you go away from the tradition and then come back to it? That you, that you you know you head off in different directions, for example, with you know Yorkston Thorn Khan and with, with the second hand orchestra but then you come back to the to the roots of the Well now music. I'm completely different I mean that was like when I was in my 20s when I was when I was kind of steering along those paths now it's just what interests me and, and what doesn't and now I find things like genre very sort of uh, you know you can shut yourself off from some great music you know so now I just listen to anything I like good music that's what I love good music and Nina I'm interested in your life and musical journey as well. I'm sort of more from like small town, uh, middle class areas kind of. I gather a lot um, of churches in your Yeah, town. I lived in one for a long chunk of my life. I lived in a town that has tons of churches. But I come from a family that we moved there. I'm not from the area. And I moved there with my parents and my mom is like a full-blown atheist, so that <laughs> I was not part of the church uh, <laughs> environment. But I grew up around uh, a lot of born-again people. So we've come off the path a little bit, Nina, because it's very, very boggy and, and wet, but the, the trees are towering above us here, aren't they? Which is uh, incredibly atmospheric. Um, so you were saying you were in this, this town with lots of churches, but yes. that wasn't part of your life. No, not at all. And, but I, I think, in fact, the cardigans formed out of boredom in a way. And we were a minority being like profane music makers the in the atheists. town. Big atheists. Yeah, so we, had really, we really had something to rebel against. <laughs> and that helped us because we were so sweet in our sort of identity anyway. So it was nice to feel like we were rebelling against something. <laughs> Good. Did they start and then invite you to join or... Did you all come together at once? How yeah, did it I, had, work? I had started to do music in the afternoons with a with a, a friend of mine. We sort of actually joined the Cardinals together. As we was we were a twofer. It was a guitar player and me. Right. Sort of. Yeah. 
I had always been in, interested in music and listening to music, but not at all interested in pursuing anything or singing in any kind of context. I was more into like uh, figurative art. Um, that's what I, my path was at the moment. I had no hunger to enter the the music world in any way, but the, my band took me into it right. uh, pretty much, and it took off pretty quickly. So suddenly, I found myself being a musician. Yeah, and and yeah. if you'd gone a different way, would you have been an artist? I mean, would you have been a I painter? Mean, who knows? It was also the age when people went off to art schools. I did one year of art school, so and a lot of anything could have happened after that, of course. But something like that was what I had in mind: architecture or art or something like that. Yeah. But it did take off in a in a huge way, and then there was that soundtrack for Romeo and Juliet with, mm -hmm. with Love Fool on it and that went stratospheric didn't it the Baz Luhrmann film how did it feel when when you saw that film and you saw the impact it was having on the band well I actually didn't see the film until like 10 years later oh, really? <laughs> to be honest <laughs> and the impact of the it's funny I was telling somebody about this the other day our day-to-day -day life was exactly the same throughout it all. It was just that people started to tell us that things were happening and maybe we got nicer plane tickets suddenly and, you know, more butter on our toast. That's sort of it. But the day-to-day -day work remained the same. And to this day, you only notice the difference really when you have a big break and you realise that, you you know, people talk to you differently. <laughs> and were there bigger audiences coming to see you? Yeah, eventually, of course. Yeah, of yeah. course that was a difference too, eventually, yeah. Yeah, did you enjoy that? Yeah, I quite did, uh, but also on another level not, um, because it was also, since it was not part of me to, I had no sort of uh, career uh, wish in this field and I had no intention to be uh, recognized or to, to get famous or to have, you know, or to, you know, top charts or anything. I would have given it away to anybody who wanted it more than me, <laughs> if I could have, <laughs> sometimes. But it is what it is, and it's like in retrospect, I'm also, I'm, I'm really happy I have all that behind me. I'm really happy I, I have experienced it, and I also, I'm happy that I still, still can work with music mm. and not have that sort of, we talked about it, James and I also, how that can really destroy you sometimes as a musician and as a creator, that you feel like, you, you, or you start to believe that you've done your best, you have done the best is already behind you, sort of, and that was never something I was... Um, thinking which I'm happy about. I just want to ask you about one thing which I saw on YouTube which must have been an amazing moment in your life which was I saw you singing a Led Zeppelin song to Led Zeppelin yeah, yeah, uh, right. at a prize giving event the yeah. Polar Prize. You sang a whole lot of love uh -huh, yep. to Robert Plant and Jimmy Page. Did you see them laughing in the audience also? Yeah but I think it was with pleasure. I think <laughs> I they think were applauding so, yeah. your performance. <laughs> but were you, were you scared when you had to go out there and sing, and sing that to them? I think I was quite scared actually and I remember it because that whole performance to me is like a big blackout so I have also only experienced it watching it on YouTube. I, <laughs> so you just had a blank I was, I was in another zone completely. Were there you, was also royalties in the, oh, right, in so the, the audience. the king was there as I well. I think what the Led Zeppelin guys are sitting next to the Swedish royal family, <laughs> really. So it was quite um, intense audience to sing to. Yeah. So um, And you're going to sing to Robert Plant mm -hmm. a song that he has vocally made famous. Did, yeah. How did you prepare for that? Did you rehearse for no, I think or? I think I had to just dive into that zone <laughs> where I have no memory left anymore. <laughs> It was not also like there's nothing you can do but just sort of you know uh, headbutt it the the task because it's <laughs> there's nothing to there can be no pretensions because he's obviously done a fantastic performance, 
but it was really fun and I'm actually proud of it afterwards. Also yeah. the band that is playing, the, the musicians are my friends, so I felt really comfortable in their company too. Did you see him afterwards and did, did he, did he give you, Robert give you any comments? Or? Yeah, yeah, he did and, and uh, Rob, uh, what's his name? The Jimmy guitar, Page? Jimmy Page sure did. Um, what did he say? Well, he was just, uh, that's, that's a different story, but they were, uh, I think they were um, appreciative. Yes. It was interesting, yeah. <laughs> well, let's walk on because James is getting ahead of us. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, uh, he knows these woods. Let's get through the, let's get through the puddles. Now, we get around this bit as well. Oh, it does drag into the short while. Does it? Yeah, or we could walk over through that way and then get onto another path which might be drier. It looks drier just beyond this next section, so if we... <clears throat> Would you just tell us about the song first before we play it? Uh, yeah, it's a new one. It kind of came out of nowhere. I can't. I don't even really remember writing it. It was in my. It was in my uh, notepad when I was uh, playing um, in a hotel room, and uh, it just fell into a tune, and that that was it. But I, when I'm writing, I try and write and write and write, and just let all the words come out, and I don't edit whilst I'm writing. And then when I come back to them, because I haven't focused on them so much. Um, I can look at them at a kind of face value and um, either take them seriously or scratch them off, you know, and uh, this one just seemed to work in a one I can't even remember if I had to do much editing, so... What's but it's, it called? Well, I don't even really have a title. We've been calling it With Me, With You, just as yeah. a working title, yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, we haven't recorded it, or, I mean, we've done it live quite a lot. Yeah. It's been fun to do live, yeah. mostly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> no, it's worked well. Should we try? Yeah. <laughs> Just be you, and I hope you know me well enough by now to know that I ain't searching for some superstar. I want you just the way you are. Lift these trees and 
just half a mile away from the cafe that I play that does the best coffee. And I will not sell you short, take you anywhere comes out of, of talking to you is about collaboration actually and about how uh, creative collaboration works and I, and, and I know uh, James that you also do something called To Sup We Are Pfeiffer yeah, which yeah. is uh, putting together different artists and, and putting them on stage, curating them I yeah, suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you choose the people that you collaborate with on that project? Everything I do I try and be as uh, natural as what I want to do and therefore, if it works and I can do it again, then it just means I'm just being me. So I don't have to pretend to be someone else. So with To Supper Pfeiffer, it just began by getting people that I wanted to see play up in Fife. Because there wasn't much music there, you know. Yeah. So we, uh, we started off at the Adam Smith Theatre in Kikodi, which is it's, uh, more well known for having things like uh, blues band tributes and the uh, Lady Boys of Bangkok and things like that. You know, very popular things which sell a lot of tickets, but perhaps not the sort of thing I would want to go and see myself. So I just began asking um, artists that I thought, well, I'd love to see Linton Crazy Johnson. And then there'd be people like who I'd uh, meet on the road or perhaps they would open for me or I'd see them at a festival, people like Richard Dawson, and I'd ask them to come and play and then when it started getting a little bit more money behind it, thanks to Creative Scotland, I managed to bring people like Michael Hurley over from America, who's like one of my all-time great songwriter guys that you know I really admire. And also people like Dick Gockin and uh, Sheena Wellington. It's a lot, of, a lot of traditional music, and it was the mixing in the pop stuff, which I put myself in that category, so I don't, it's not an insult. Alongside um, more experimental music, people like Carl Stone and uh, just... Uh, some real weird things, but some and, real and some, and some verbal, so there's poetry and storytelling oh, yeah, yeah. as, so well, as like, well as music. Yeah, we had Marilyn Robertson on last night, who's a storyteller from... And she's um, told an extraordinary story about Shetland. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. she's been amazing. And we've had people like Selena Godden and uh, had all sorts of people. Jeff Hattersley was one of my favourites, a poet from uh, Yorkshire, who I'm a big fan of. So we've had all sorts of interesting people up, yeah, yeah. And, and, and Nina, obviously, you were performing on one of these events last night, what was yeah. it like to be part of 
of that collaboration with the different kinds of artists who've been taking part. Oh, it's amazing, especially when we're a slightly different field also, to have a storyteller along too was amazing. It's great. I've been doing some things like, like that too, and I think it's really like, that's when you can really harvest as a touring musician as well, because you sort of just, you do your thing, but you also sort of just float around and, and experience and get to, to listen to other people and to hang out and it is a bit like just a, a party with your friends that thing and the audience can sense it too i think that that crossover and the camaraderie and everything so it was it's a nice present that we can do once in a while as well and you said earlier on that you've been teaching and i think you teach creativity mm -hmm. you don't teach music but you teach how to be creative is that right yes sort of yeah creative yeah. development work yeah yeah so how, tell us what i would learn if i came on your course yeah, well, you would be alongside of like uh, uh, very young people. It's about uh, it's about <laughs> it, it's, right it's going. For, it, what it really is is like a, a, a class, a forum where there's a lot of like their feedback happens there, and it's their peer-to-peer -peer learning and uh, a lot of like creative methods. And it's also a place where you work with them, helping them figure out their context as an artist. Because when you're at a music university, often you study hard, you learn a lot, and you tend to be very impressionable, and you tend to be very, like, sometimes you actually forget your roots and forget, like, what your, the core of your creativity is or was. Or you become self-conscious, more critical of yourself. So it's a place where you sort of hone that and keep that and harvest that in a way. So, so the, key, a, the key to creativity is losing your self-consciousness in a way, is... is, is is not often, being self-critical. Often, yeah, to not, yeah, to not uh, restrain yourself and, and to, to let yourself be, <laughs> you know, to let the flow be there, not to stop the flow, really. So it's all about that. And also, you, you, it's a place where we learn to talk about music, feedback technique, in order to, because there's also, it's important also to be objective sometimes about music and not, you know, not to be, because people can be very, very sensitive. And James, how does collaboration work for you is it is it a spur to creativity to have a, a refreshing collaborator come along I'm, I'm looking at your sort of history it seems like you know you seek out a new collaborator from time to time in order perhaps to give you a new impetus yeah i mean I, most of my work is is solo i know it looks as though i have a lot of um collaborators but really there's only really been yosin thong khan and and uh, now nina and the second hand orchestra I mean, obviously, work with different musicians to freshen up albums and things, but I feel as though a lot of my life is spent on the road solo with a guitar, you know, playing songs, and, uh, and I love that. Music is such a, um, a beautiful and giving thing that when you find people that you want to share it with, I mean, it's... As one gets older, you know, I'm 50-something now, the musicians who are around my sort of age, they tend to be the good people. I don't mean good musically, but I mean the good-hearted people. You know, the people who have, who have stuck with music despite the fact perhaps they haven't had uh, major careers. I know obviously Nina has had a, a very, very successful career, but most of the musicians I play with tend to just be people who are obsessed with music. And that you've, you've got an instant communication with them. You've instantly got this, this bond that you you know why you're doing something as daft as music for a living. You know, when I'm singing with Nina on stage and the harmonies are going and we're close together, it, it's such, such a warm, lovely feeling that it, it's, uh, it's worth searching out for. It's worth the six-hour trip to Birmingham, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it communicates itself to the audience. When, you're, when you as artists are connecting in that way, 
we as, as the audience are feeling it, you know, and that's also a beautiful feeling to have. I think that's true. I think that's true. And, you know, it's good traveling around and meeting new people and playing new venues and doing all that sort of stuff. But I don't think I would do it if it wasn't for the gig. If, you know, I don't think I could just be a tour manager. I'm not saying there's anything against tour managers, <laughs> but I think the gig is, is the payoff, yes. you know. And, and so sometimes if you have a bad gig, which we haven't on this tour at all, they've all been really good, um, but it can be like a bit of a blow because it's the whole day has been into this 90 minute slot and, and if it goes badly, but this, this one's been... This has been great. We've had wonderful um, people on the road the whole, from start to finish, you know. And, and are you happy in your own company? Because obviously the writing process is, is inevitably solitary. And you're, you've also written novels, which mm. is a really solitary process that goes on and on and on. Yeah. Do, you, do you find that more of a struggle than writing songs? Or, or, or do you find that I don't a great, refreshing I don't struggle change? with any of it. Right. It's uh, because I'm lucky. <laughs> I feel as though I'm very lucky that I've never had any kind of hit. Like when I was in my 20s, I never had a, a novelty hit or anything like that, you know. There's no one who's really expecting anything from me other than JY, people who are interested in the stuff I do. And they're just expecting me to get on with it. That's what <laughs> I find. So I, I don't really find any pressure or anything like that. It, I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen? Write a song and it's not very good. I mean, it's not the end of the world, you know. But so the novel... The worst thing that could happen is you've invested in thousands of words and then you read it back and you think, hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, but, could, be, that could be a lot of wasted well, time. Well, I suppose I've never, I've never really... I don't know. It, I came to long-form writing through, kind of through the back door. Somebody offered me a, a lot of money to write a magazine article. So I wrote it and then they said, do you want to turn it into a book? So I wrote it. Hmm. So then I thought, well, I can, I can write that many words. Uh, that, and was then, diaries, that was the tour diary. That was the tour diary, yeah. yeah. And then the first novel was just... It's, I don't know. It's, I don't. I don't find it hard yeah. at, at all. Really, it, it's harder to do nothing to sit, you know, twiddling my thumbs or whatever. That's the, that's the tricky thing. And also, with a novel, you write the novel, you look at it and you edit, and then somebody else edits and it gets copy edited and stuff. You know, it's not just me creating that thing. You you write the the, the main part of it, but it goes through loads of lenses before it gets to the reviewer. Who gives it three out of five? <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or in my case, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. five out of five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or, yeah, yeah the Book of the Gales, though, is, is that exploring the Celtic connections? Is that you know that we, we talked about your Irish experience? Yeah, yeah. That was definitely that was definitely. I wanted to write about uh, my uh, my memories of of our lives in Ireland in the in the mid seventies and into the eighties, and I wanted to write about that because I'd just written. The Three Cores novel was written in, um, in Fife, set in Fife. And then the next one, which never actually got published, but was bought to be made into a film, bizarrely, that was also written in Scotland, about Scotland. So I wanted to get out of Scotland. And Ireland is a place I know very well and I'm very fond of. So it's just exploring and it's just a fun thing to go back to. It's a fun world. Oh, I remember that and put that in. Oh, yeah, this bit. Oh, and that bit. You know, it's just to make it easier. Mm -hmm. Path of least resistance, or something like that. <laughs> so, and and Book of the Gales again. You know, it's a. I value these things. I value the books as highly as I value the albums, as kind of career stamps. You know, more than a remix. <laughs> but it's an artifact that you can put on the shelf and say, "This is where I got to at that stage." Yeah, yeah. This is yeah. something I did. Yeah. You know, well, it, it's it's a doing creative stuff. It's a. It's it's mostly fun, you know. Yeah. And if you can get to the place where you're just doing it as. If I can get to the place, which I think I am, where I'm doing it as me and not trying to be like, oh, Ian Rankin, he does really well. You know, 
Ian's a pal, you know, and he's an amazing writer. But imagine if I wrote an Ian Rankin-style novel and it went well, then the rest of my life would be like, oh, no, I've got to pretend to be Ian Rankin again. The whole <laughs> idea is not pretending to be someone else, just being yourself and creating your art. And if, and if, if you're lucky enough, then you can make some kind of living out of it. That's the, that's the cunning plan. And Nina, have you got to that stage too where you do things that are really you and that you care about and you're able to choose on that basis? Yes, that's uh, the biggest luxury you can have is to, to be able to do what you think is right <laughs> mm. and real, yeah. And where does this collaboration go next? I think you've got some more gigs to do in the summer, you're doing some festivals. Yeah, we have, uh, uh, yeah we have all the way through the summer, even starting to discuss in the fall for gigs. So that's what we know at this point. And, and yeah. you can't see beyond that, presumably, to whether there might we're, be another We're album talking or... about things, back and forth a little bit, different things that could happen. Well, you've built some amazing foundations, so it would be a shame for the house not to continue to grow. Exactly, yeah, yeah. absolutely. We'll see, we'll see, we, yeah, we'll see. I mean, fingers crossed, fingers crossed, but yeah. Now we've been in the, in the forest with muddy paths also together, so it's... Uh, yeah. It's a bonding the... experience, isn't <laughs> <Yes>. it? <laughs> would you sing us one last song? Yeah, yeah, sure. What sure. would you sing? This is a song called A Hollow Skeleton Lifts a Heavy Wing. And it's about that... Uh, well, maybe I won't tell you it's about. That's probably easier for me if I don't. OK. <laughs> we'll, we'll listen to the words. Okay. <laughs> Forgive me, boys Forgive me, boys Forgive me, boys For these blues Won't leave me And I was what brings a moment peace Oh, show me the mechanics of this, if you please A hollow skeleton lifts a heavy wind A hollow skeleton lifts a heavy wind A hollow skeleton lifts a heavy wind. The tree creeper, he owns this place. He runs the woods as I watch and wonder. The buzzard cannot reclaim to this covered heaven. I dreamt I woke unburdened and I walked and I ran I dreamt I woke unburdened and I did not look back I dreamt I woke unburdened and I walked and I ran A hollow skeleton left a heavy wind
showed herself yesterday You don't need me to tell you how we waltzed She asked, what are these cards you're dealing me? I replied You should have seen some of the others You call for peace We've reached halfway for better was rough Oh, the second is a curse Oh, a skeleton lifts a heavy That was great. I was just trying to see a tree creeper or a buzzard while I was, while I was, while I was here, but I don't think I've spotted any yet. But it was wonderful to hear those words in the forest. Yeah, in the forest yeah, here. Yeah. Would you go to the beach, James, ever while you're here? Not here, but other beaches I do. Right. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, not far. Beaches at home, I prefer. So. And you're a champion uh, skimmer of stones, I gather. <laughs> Who fed you that misinformation? <laughs> uh, I, I, I enjoy skimming stones, but a champion, I, I would say, was a... Uh, uh, I think that would be a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's been wonderful to spend some time with you here in the forest and to hear your beautiful songs and, and your stories. Thank you so much, Nina, and thank you, James. Thank you for thank having you. us. Thanks for having us. We rely entirely on support from our listeners to keep Folk on Foot going. So if you've enjoyed this episode, why not buy us a coffee? Just go to folkonfoot.com slash support us. While you're there, you can also sign up as a patron. You'll get great rewards, including exclusive access to films of loads of the songs we've heard on our travels around the UK and Ireland, and the chance to be in the audience of just 10 people at a front room gig live on Zoom. Plus, there's the satisfaction of knowing that every penny you give will go back into making more episodes of Folk on Foot. So just go to folkonfoot.com slash support us. 
The link is in the show notes. Also, please make sure that more people can find us by spreading the word on social media, subscribing or following us on your podcast app, and rating and reviewing us wherever you can. Thank you.